Welcome to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette, with your host Steve Garrett, MC and DJ at one of the largest Corvette weekends in the country, Corvette Fun Fest, president of the Corvette Club of Kansas City, Missouri, and radio disc jockey at the number one radio station in Kansas City for over 40 years. Here's Steve Garrett. Thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. Brought to you by MidAmerica Motorworks. Pursue your passion at mamotorworks.com. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. I appreciate you tuning in. You can listen to Corvette Today on all podcast platforms. You can also listen on your smart device. Just say Alexa or Hey Google. Play the podcast called Corvette Today and you're connected. Also, visit the Corvette Today website. It's corvettetodaypodcast.com. And while you're there, make sure you visit the Corvette Today merchandise store. You can also sign up for Corvette Today emails, notifications, and updates at corvettetoday.ck.page. And don't forget, join the Corvette Today Facebook group. We have over 3,000 members, and I'd love to have you as a member as well. I'm also excited to tell you about the new YouTube channel for Corvette Today. See your favorite Corvette Today podcasts now on YouTube. First, I'd like to thank our flagship sponsors of Corvette Today, Aerolari Wheels, a true forged wheel with over 20 unique design styles to choose from for your C8 and wide-body versions of the C7, C6, and C5 Corvette. It's an absurd value starting at only $19.88 for a set of four fully forged wheels. And use the promo code CT100 for Corvette Today 100 and get $100 off your purchase. Visit aerolari.com. That's A-E-R-O-L-A-R-R-I.com. And use the promo code CT100 for your $100 discount. Also, Corvette Fever Magazine. Corvette Fever has been relaunched with an online and printed version. The online version has incredible interactivity with hidden photos and information, and the printed version is nothing like you've ever seen before, huge and glossy. Get your free online version at CorvetteFeverMag.com. You can also sign up for the printed version there as well. Corvette Fever Magazine, come along for the ride. Also, MidEngineCorvetteForum.com, the forum that focuses on the new mid-engine C8 Corvette. Meet a lot of fellow Corvette enthusiasts like yourself at midenginecorvetteforum.com. Also, a shout-out to canadiancorvetteforum.com, welcoming Corvette owners from around the world. My guest on Corvette today is the sports car racing program manager for General Motors. She's an automotive engineer and enthusiast. Her hobbies include road course performance driving at tracks like VIR, Sebring, and Mid-Ohio. She also has a very cool website called carsandchocolates.com, and we'll talk more about that website during the podcast. Please help me welcome to the show Laura Wontrop-Klauser. Laura, thanks for joining me on Corvette Today. Thanks for having me. What a great opportunity to talk about the car I know and love so much. You and me both. Well, Laura, let's talk about your early career. Let's talk about your upbringing and how your parents and family played such an important role in your life. And also talk about your early introduction to speed and cars. Well, I was blessed to be able to grow up on a small piece of property in Maryland. I would call it a farm, but I think that's not fair to people who grew up on actual farms that produce crops and have animals and all that. This was just a bigger piece of property, but it meant that we always had something to do on the weekends, whether it was fixing an outbuilding or working on the house, digging trenches. My dad loved to say that Labor Day was meant for laboring, so (laughs) those long weekends were always busy on our side. But I grew up with great family setting. Mom and dad were both very supportive of everything. 
let me kind of figure out who I was by trying all different things, did 4-H, did all sorts of activities at school. But ultimately, the thing that caught my eye the most was anything that had to do with mobility, whether it was riding in the car when I was younger or waiting until I finally was old enough to reach the pedals on the big John Deere tractor so I could drive that. And then getting my license, that was always something that I found interesting. And about the age of 13, I decided I could make a career out of this. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to go move to Michigan. I wanted to work for one of the big three. And I wanted to design the cars that I love so much. Sports cars obviously being the ones that were the most interesting to me. So I set myself on a path to do that. First, I thought I might want to be a mechanic, but I was really good at math in school So I decided to turn that into mechanical engineering, and that's what I went and pursued in college and had the opportunity to work on Formula SAE when I was at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, fell even more in love with cars, and then got a little bit of the racing bug at that point, found my way to General Motors through that. So it kind of all progressed nicely. In fact, almost a little like it was planned. It wasn't. It just happened to work out. But when you love something and you know that's what you want, you can usually find a way to get there. And that's a perfect segue into my next question, because I know you graduated from RPI, you had your bachelor's there, and you got your mechanical engineering degree, your master's there at the University of Michigan. So talk a little bit more about your college career and how that led you right into GM. So the bachelor's I did very traditional. I went to campus for four years, had the time of my life, mainly because of the Formula SAE program and the great friends that I made in that. And that was my life. In fact, I remember a funny story. My parents came up to see me. I think it was October was the first visit day that they would have normally on campus. The freshman year, they came back a couple months after I'd been there, wanted to see how I was doing. And of course, all I could talk about was working on this race car project And I wanted to show them the shop. I wanted to do all that. And I remember that they were looking at me a little confused. And finally, they're like, hey, aren't you going to parties? Aren't you, you know, this and that? And uh, and I said, I was like, well, no, I have a lot of friends, but I'm working on the race car and I love it and I can't get enough of it. You could tell they were perplexed by this, but clearly as time developed and as I got even more engaged with the program, I led it in junior year, the year that we placed ninth in Michigan competition, which we're so proud of. They came to understand how important and how critical it was. I went to school or into classes. I did my homework. I did all that. I kept a nice high GPA. But the race car to me was the way to take all of that stuff we were learning in the classroom and apply it and really see how it would react in a real world situation. So it was the best learning tool that I had. They finally made peace with that was what I was going to be up to. And I I would let them know whenever I'd go out. I had friends on the side, too, that weren't on the race car program. All right, Mom, I'm going out with my good friend Kate tonight. We're going to have fun. We're going to go hit up this party. And I think they felt better in the end for that. But it was nice to have parents that supported education and the social side of college, too. Absolutely right. Laura, talk more about that Formula SAE program, because I'm not sure a lot of people know exactly what it is, but it's so darn cool. Yeah, it is a fantastic program sponsored by SAE, of course. What it is, is you are designing and building and then competing with a open wheel formula style race car. So everything from creating the CAD images and and the documents to create the car to manufacturing it and then taking it to the competition and actually driving it or participating in all the different things that are at the competition. It's done by the students. So it's usually a group of anywhere from seven to some teams are huge. Some of them are 30 people or more that are working on this. And it's all supposed to be student led, student run. I think in most colleges that is the case. 
And it's really that opportunity, again, to take all of that knowledge they're throwing at you in the classroom and the equations that you're doing and the word problems and all that stuff that they try to create reality, but it's making it reality. And I think one of the coolest things you learn right off the bat is you can do all the equations you want. But at the end of the day, there's things like tolerances and there's stuff where reality doesn't always play nice like it does in the computer environment or it does when you're just simply doing some math, trying to figure things out. So learning that lesson quick right away freshman year and then learning how to adapt that into your design process was huge. But then also, in addition to all the great engineering side of it, you're learning how to play nice with others, (laughs) to break it down simply. (laughs) It's a team project. You can't do it by yourself. And everyone knows what the goal is. The goal is to build an incredible car and go beat up everybody at the competition and win. But there's so many different ways to get there. And there's a lot of freedom in the design and what you do with the car. So it was trying to learn how to get everyone rallied around a single point or get us all on the same path or find ways to complement each of the members of the team and how we could figure out how to make the design process work. And we weren't doing conflicting things. And ultimately, that's what happened our junior year. The team that was in for junior year jived really well. Everyone knew their role on the team, and that's what they did. And all of those roles complemented everyone else. And that's why I think we were able to bring such a solid race car and do so well is we all had that going on for us in addition to having really smart people on the team that knew how to put some great designs together as well very cool now i know you're a corvette person at heart talk about the corvette that you and your husband own and what you guys like doing with the car yes i have a c6 a 2013 grand sport When Eric and I started working at GM, I had the immense privilege to be on the Corvette team as one of my first assignments, and I got to know the team well. And at the time, they had a program where they would take some of the extra cars that we had at GM, and they would allow employees that were on the team to experience them at a very controlled track environment. First track that we went to was Putnam Park. And thankfully, they let me bring my boyfriend at the time, now husband, down because I think he wouldn't have talked to me for a week if I got to do that and didn't take him with me. Of course. (laughs) And rightly so. I would have been mad, too, if it was reversed. But that program went away right around bankruptcy. But I had purchased a Cobalt SS Turbo that was my daily driver, which was still a pretty track-capable car. So Eric and I kept going with the group that would go to the track, but we brought my Cobalt. And then eventually we realized it was time to up our game a little bit. So we started hunting for a Corvette and I was able to find one at one of the local dealers in Michigan that was at a fantastic price. We were catching it right before C7 was launching. So it was time for them to do some inventory turnover. And it's been our track baby ever since. We love it. We haven't done anything crazy like put a cage in it because I do still like driving it around in the summertime when I can take the removable roof off and just enjoy that. But it goes to the track and it's what we've been honing our skills in. And it is a very different animal from the Cobalt that we started in. But it was a great progression because we learned how to take a lower horsepower car and drive that fast and then transition into the higher horsepower car. So it was a nice way to walk up for skills. Very nice. Now, as I alluded to in the introduction, you're passionate also about cooking. Talk about your hobby. Talk about the cooking website and how you tie all that into Corvette racing. <laughs> well, I've always enjoyed baking. I think a lot of that is because it was such an important part of the family growing up. My mom cooked almost all of our meals when we were little. And even to this day, when I go home, I'm looking forward to a home cooked meal. And of course, my grandmother, unfortunately, she's no longer with us. But going to my grandmother's house and eating dinner with them was such an important part of my childhood. So 
being surrounded by food and the whole preparing with love and all of that was a big deal. And I found that baking really fit nicely for me because it's a science and you have to be pretty exact. And that's my engineering brain likes that. I like the measurements and knowing that depending on how much baking soda you put in, that's how the reactions will happen. So I've kind of used that as my creative outlet or whenever I'm a little stressed and I, I just want to do something where I create something I do it with baking and I play a little bit with chocolate too. I found that to be kind of an interesting medium to work with as well. So it's just been there for me. For racing, it started when I was only in charge of Cadillac, but I would tell the teams if they want to race, I would send them down a care package because I noticed that if you watch the end of the race, we have the great win ceremony. Well, the drivers get all the attention and that's how it's set up. Nobody's complaining, but the mechanics, oh my gosh, they work so hard. The races are won with them as well, doing what they need to do in the pits and having the beautiful pit stops and getting the car ready and all of that. So I sent the care package to them as a thank you for all the great work that they've done. So it's kind of become a thing. In fact, as my workload has increased and I've gotten busier, it's turned into a, all right, I got to be smart about it. We're coming home from a race weekend. This team won. I got to get their care package out. But I love the opportunity to thank the whole team for everything that they do. And who doesn't love a nice batch of brownies or some interesting cookies? That's awesome. And I know that the team calls them win biscuits, don't they? Yes, AXR coined that term, one of our Cadillac teams. They won the championship this year in IMSA. And the first thing they did when they saw me over in Victory Circle when they brought the car was they said, okay, this is what we want. I said, well, you made it easy for me. You told me exactly what you want. I don't even have to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Laura, let's take our first break. And when we come back in segment number two, we're going to talk about your time with GM here on Corvette Today. VetFinders.com is the Internet's original Corvette classified ads website with classified ads starting at just $25. And every ad runs until your Corvette is sold. If you're in the market for a Corvette, VetFinders.com has over 500 Corvettes for sale from all around the USA and Canada and covering all eight generations. Visit VetFinders.com, the Internet's destination for buying and selling Corvettes. That's V-E-T-T-E Finders.com. MidAmerica Motorworks has been the industry leader and aftermarket supplier and manufacturer of Corvette replacement parts and accessories since 1974. We have what you need for all years and generations of Corvette. Whether you need a door panel or a seat cover for your C1 Corvette or the latest shirt, jacket, hat, or lifestyle accessory to complement your new C8, you can get it at MidAmerica Motorworks. So if you're restoring, repairing, replacing, or simply researching your Corvette, MidAmerica Motorworks is the place to go. Visit our website at mamotorworks.com and shop Corvettes by generation or specific year. Or call us Monday through Saturday toll-free at 800-500-1500 and talk to one of our Corvette experts to help you get the right part or accessory. Pursue your passion with MidAmerica Motorworks. And now, back to Corvette Today with your host and my husband, Steve Garrett. Hey, thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. Brought to you by MidAmerica Motorworks. Pursue your passion at mamotorworks.com. 
I'm your host, Steve Garrett. With me today is Laura Wontrop-Clauser, the sports car racing program manager for General Motors. In this second segment, we're going to talk about her time at GM. Laura, you started at General Motors in 2008 on the passenger car side of the business. Talk about your beginnings with GM, because I know when you started, you were getting started during the C7 era, like you had alluded to in the first segment, but then you went on to Cadillac CT6 and Spark and Sonic as well. Yes. So my very first job was one of those where you say, pinch me, this can't be real. I had the opportunity to work with the Corvette team on what was the C7 at the time, but we hadn't told anybody it was coming. So it was really exciting to be on a secret project, if you will, as we were getting ready for the next generation of the car. This was back in 2008. It was an opportunity to meet everyone on the team, which was great. The job that I did was called Vehicle Definition and Balance. And what that job entailed was you were supposed to take, I would say, marketing wants and requirements that come across a little on the softer side, such as the phrase fun to drive. The car needs to be fun to drive. And you're supposed to translate that into engineering metrics. So the engineering team knew what we were trying to do. So fun to drive could be zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds. It could be handling so many Gs as you're doing a corner those kind of things. And so it was trying to quantify this image of what we wanted the car to be. And we had this group for every car that we produced. So the Corvette was almost easy because we kind of know what a Corvette needs to be. But then if you're trying to apply some principles to either a brand new product we're putting out or one of our SUVs, that you had to think a little bit and go, okay, what exactly is this specific car or truck trying to achieve in the marketplace? What do we want to be known for all of that? So it was a great opportunity to see the car from a holistic standpoint versus only being focused on one specific part, understanding how we were setting everything up and how everything was supposed to integrate and play together. And then of course, having the connection with the Corvette team, getting to know them, getting to know that product was a dream come true for me. I figured that just like any young engineer at GM, I was going to end up on whichever product I did. And I was going to work really hard and make it the best car or truck that it could be. But being able to do that with Corvette, it was a dream come true. That's for sure. Now, you first started out as a program manager for the Cadillac ATSV. Talk about those days with Cadillac and your involvement with that racing program. Yes. So a couple of jobs in production later, I had the opportunity to apply for some racing positions that were open in our racing department. And these were ones that only come around once every so many years. They definitely aren't things that you see often. So I threw my name in the hat. I crossed my fingers that they would see that I was still involved with Formula SAE as a volunteer and running the dynamic events and that I had done some really great jobs in production that had given me a lot of background and experience and hope that that would catch their eye. And thankfully it did. So I had the opportunity to interview and ultimately they placed me with the Cadillac ATS VR program, which was running in Pirelli World Challenge sprint racing in the U.S., And it was such a great way to get started in racing. We were treating it as a factory program. We only had one team. It happened to be Pratt & Miller that were running two Cadillac Sports in Pirelli World Challenge. And it gave me the opportunity to see how a team is run. Because when you look at it from the factory lens, the OE is controlling the budget and then really integrated in with the team versus customer programs like we have with the DPI program and our Camaro GT4. We create the car But after that, it's up to the team to take it and run it. And of course, we stay in touch and contact, but you're not in their day-to-day operations telling them how to spend their $5 or whatever. You're more or less giving them big goals and saying, this is what we want to see with this program, and then allowing them to figure out how they would be meeting that for us and then for whoever else is sponsoring them. So I like that I started in the factory environment. It gave me a good way to understand how racing works. And then when I had the opportunity to switch over to DPI, when we sunset the ATS program, that was a great shift to go from factory to customer. 
and then have to learn how to encourage different teams with different agendas who have different sponsors to work together and to try to achieve the goals for Cadillac as a whole. So it was a great new challenge. And it's one that, I mean, I still don't know exactly how you're supposed to do it. Sometimes I get lucky and sometimes I don't in terms of getting everybody to play nice. But for the most part, I think if you give them an area where they feel safe and they can come and get support and that we're going to be there and walk the walk with them, it gives them an opportunity to say, "Okay, I'm a part of this bigger family than just my little team. Absolutely right. And also you had some time with the Camaro in the GT4R race program, too. That had to be really cool. It was. It turned into a bonus assignment. I was working on the Cadillac program and the person that was looking after our Camaro program ended up leaving the company and he went on to, to work someplace else. So my boss at the time asked, he's like, well, they're racing in IMSA. You're already there. Do you want to just go ahead and take this over? And I was like, yeah, that should be fine. It's been a really different perspective on how to do racing. It's a lower level racing in the IMSA paddock. So it's a smaller budget. And you really see some great innovation out of the teams because they are taking not that much in terms of resources from a money perspective and figuring out how to still run a race program, which the fundamental and the basics are still there, whether you are a multi-million dollar operation fully backed by an OE or you're out on your own and you're trying to scrape together your budget. So it's neat to see how they were able to take their circumstances and figure out how to give themselves what they needed to be successful. Very cool. Also, let's talk about GM's effort to kind of streamline the entire racing program because they named you in a new position as the sports car racing program manager. So we're bringing all the teams under one umbrella, aren't we? Yes. Well, one of the things that I would notice as I was growing in my role in racing is that we had a lot of programs, but they didn't always talk to each other. It's not because they didn't want to. It's just you're so busy in racing and the clock is always ticking no matter what. You don't think to reach out or to do that kind of stuff because it would take a couple minutes and you could be using those couple minutes on whatever task you have to get done right now. So I had pitched the idea that it made sense to bring the teams together. In fact, we were doing that behind the scenes, you know, working with the different program managers, trying to get together, making sure that whenever we communicated as GM, we were consistent, whether that was coming from the Corvette racing side or Cadillac or Camaro so that the sanctioning body understood that it was the same group and we weren't giving them conflicting goals or messaging. So we had figured that side of it out, but really it came down to how to better share resources, whether those resources are budget or they're different humans that are supporting with different skill sets and how to make all of the programs stronger by leaning on each other. And that's ultimately what happened when they decided to promote me to the sports car racing program manager. The goal was to bring all of that together so we could be more efficient. And I'd say now that we're done with year one of that, we're definitely getting there. There's always room for improvement, but it's been great to see how the Cadillac program was able to support Corvette and vice versa, even the smallest things like sharing a racetrack for a test. Very cool. And it makes total sense as well. So with you managing all the teams, that's a lot of race cars racing, sometimes all at the same time and a lot of people to manage as well. So let's talk more about that because I'm sure that presents coordination issues and talk about some of the intricacies and some of the challenges with this new role. You hit the nail on the head. It's a lot. There's a lot going on in GM Motorsports in general. We also are standing up a new tech center down in Charlotte for mainly supporting our NASCAR operations, but we are going to be 
creating more of a knowledge hub for racing for our company there and, and bringing some of that engineering in-house. In addition to that, the growth that's happening there, we've got the changes in the sports car side. Then we got permission to not only do the LMDH program with Cadillac, but to do GT3 with Corvette as well. Usually we have one big sports car program and then some complementary ones. This is two big programs that are coming down the pipeline. So the biggest challenge has been managing all of the workload that's coming with this. I wouldn't say that I was super amazing at it this year. (laughs) Now that we're at the end of the year, I'm realizing I left a lot of vacation days. I guess I just gave back to General Motors, which when you have a year exciting as this, it, it is what it is. We're building a team to help make sure that we can support this properly. So right now I have three people that work for me. We're about to bring on a fourth here early next year. And then we have plans to bring even more people on board to help on the technical side. So that we always have a group that is available to help with just day-to-day operational things as simple as getting purchase orders out. So the teams have access to the funding that they need. Or if we need to be interacting with the sanctioning body, giving our feedback on a new rule or regulation that they've proposed, working through getting our two new cars developed and approved, all of that. So we're bringing a lot more people to help do that. But again, all in one group. We're all sports car racing. Some of us will be more focused on Cadillac, some more focused on Corvette. But at the end of the day, we continue to come back with each other, check in regularly. And we have the mission of making sure that all the programs are successful. Very cool. Well, Laura, let's take our final break. And in segment number three, we're going to talk specifically about Corvette racing. We've got sports car racing program manager, Laura Clouser on Corvette Today. American Hydrocarbon, your one-stop shop for custom interior, exterior, and engine bay items for your C4 through C8 Corvette. We can help you create a custom look for your Corvette with carbon fiber or 10 different color patterns and styles. We've served customers in over 28 countries all around the world. Whether it's a custom-made engine cover for your new C8 mid-engine Corvette or custom-made C4 interior upgrades, American Hydrocarbon can help you transform your Corvette into a best-in-class show car. Our products have been featured in VET and Corvette magazines, so give us a call. 813-476-5638. That's 813-476-5638. And now we're proud to announce that we can produce and distribute officially licensed GM products with a C8 Corvette. That includes the front splitter, the side skirts, engine appearance panels, and engine fluid caps. See everything on our new updated website, AmericanHydrocarbon.com. Hey, honey, are you awake? Mm, I am now. I can't sleep. Since turning 50, I keep dreaming of a red door and a blue door, somehow knowing there are only choices for retirement. Okay. Through the red door, we outlive our money. We have to rely on our kids. We're stuck on a fixed income. It's terrifying. Yeah, that would suck. But through the blue door, our money outlives us. We retire on our terms. Our kids stay our kids, not our caretakers. We make work optional. Yes, that's much better. That's what I want to, but what do we do? We call True Wealth and Company at 913-653-8783. They specialize in helping successful people make work optional. They're our fiduciary Blue Door personal wealth managers. Hey, where are you going? It's 3 a.m. I can't sleep. I'm going to check out True Wealth and Company online at retirewithtrue.com. That Blue Door is going to be our retirement. 913-653-8783. Visit us online at retirewithtrue.com. Investment advice offered through True Wealth and Company, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Kansas. This is the Corvette Today podcast with Steve Garrett. 
Hey, thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. Brought to you by MidAmerica Motorworks. Pursue your passion at mamotorworks.com. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. With me is Laura Clouser. And in this third and final segment, we're going to talk specifically about Corvette racing. Laura, Corvette racing has had a very, very successful race history. Talk about your integration into the program along with your new job. Well, one of the cool things about coming on board with Corvette now is I actually knew quite a few of the team members pretty well because some of them have migrated over from the ATS VR program that we did when I first started racing in 2016. So I had that. And then just being around and and working with Pratt Miller in general, they support us in many different ways on the racing side. I've gotten to know them a little bit, being in the paddock with them at IMSA. And so when I transitioned over, I think it was pretty seamless for myself and for the team. They already knew who I was. They knew my quirks. They knew what I could do to help them from a support standpoint. So it worked out really nicely. I'd say in general, it's been busy. There's a lot going on. We've got our GT3 program that we're working on and getting that race car designed. We had to make some modifications to the car for IMSA for next year. And then, of course, we still had to run this year's season and we had to go for that championship. So it's been so busy that I don't think anyone's had the opportunity to think too hard. It's just, what do we need to do? Let's do it. (laughs) Well, that's a good way to approach it. That's for sure. You've got a terrific team at Corvette Racing. Talk a little bit about the team and the drivers there with the race team. Yeah, we're fortunate. We have some of the best that are running the car for us right now, hands down. And it's one of those that it's been such a great program for the past 20 years and how we've done it. They've represented us well. They've shown the world what Corvette is capable of and then allowed our fans to grow and to have that community and and all of that, which is what's going to be so interesting about switching into the GT3 program where we will still have the ability to have our factory team, although I don't know if it'll be the same factory that you're used to just because the landscape is changing a little bit with the GT3 side of it. But we also will have the opportunity to have customers now that are included in the racing. And whether they're in IMSA or they're in other series, eventually around the world, we're going to have the opportunity to have Corvettes all over the place racing, which I'm really excited about. It's almost like having the best of both worlds. You can still have your team that shows the world what they're capable of and, and working with the car. And then we have the ability to bring on other teams to grow our family. That sounds fantastic. Talk about the relationship with Corvette, the production car, with the new C8R. Because I know in the introduction, Taj said that the lines between the production car and the race car are becoming more blurred and more blurred, which is a good thing for everybody buying a Corvette. Absolutely. And and actually, we're even taking it further when we get into GT3 with being closer to production. One of the neat things about how it works is when we decide it's time for the next generation of the production car, we immediately start thinking about what would be a good thing for the production car that also would be good for racing. And the mid-engine platform was one of those that checked both boxes for sure. It enabled the ability to shift the weight. It enabled the pivot point to shift in the car and a couple other things that would stem from that that allowed us to take the race car to the next level of its performance capability. And of course, competing against others out there that have similar layout made a little bit more of an apples to apples comparison. The production team knew this and it was all part of the discussion. And really when they starting the initial design work on C8, the race side of the house was involved from day one and we were designing the two side by side. There's definitely some differences in the race car. There's things that we have to do by regulation. There's things we have to do in the production car by government regulations too, right? So you're going to see some differences there. But on the flip side, the philosophies and the aerodynamics theory and all of that 
were developed side by side so that they could each complement each other as they carried on their process of getting ready to be launched. That's so cool, too, because you know that when you buy a C8 Corvette, you're getting pretty darn close to the race car, and that's a cool thing. Yes. You know, Corvette racing has always dominated in the class that they've run in. Sometimes they haven't had a lot of competition from other brands. I think they're kind of scared of us, but talk about the future of Corvette racing and what we can see in the upcoming years. Oh my goodness, so much change. And I know that it's got some people uneasy because change is difficult, but I think it's going to be for the better when we step back and we take a look at it. Competition is huge. And this year we are very proud of everything that we accomplished. The team worked so hard between all of the chaos that the pandemic keeps causing to our schedule and how we move things around. And Lamar kept getting moved and that was a huge undertaking that we had to figure out and all of that. Our championship is well-earned and we're very proud of it, but we're really excited for next year and the hope that the class that we're going to be running in is going to be significantly larger than it was this year. And there's nothing like having such a nice variety of vehicles that you're racing against and a bunch of different teams and drivers to add to the excitement of the race and really to challenge yourself to figure out how to be creative to get around the different things. And each car that's out there has its own strengths and weaknesses. So it's learning how can you play to your strengths and play to everybody else's weaknesses and that's how you can come ahead of everyone so i think the challenge is really exciting for everyone and the hope that it's going to be a nice big healthy class so that we have a lot of competition absolutely corvette racing fans are passionate fans aren't they oh my gosh they are <laughs> talk about the relationship with the fans and how you do your best to make that experience for them the most fun we love our fans our program is the envy of the whole paddock because of how fantastic and loyal and willing to show up our fans are. In fact, when we have conversations with the other OEs, they won't come out and say it, but you can tell that they're jealous of what Corvette has. And I'll take that one all day to the bank. We're so excited and proud of what we have and the relationship we built with our fans. In fact, the hardest thing of the pandemic by far had been having to be shut away from everybody, especially when a a lot of things started changing. I don't get too into a lot of the comments on posts because some of them can get a little crazy, but I've been keeping half an eye on what's going on out there. And, and I know at the beginning, people were worried. They didn't understand so much was changing. It was scary. And I get that because change can be very scary. But now that we've been able to have people back in the paddock with us at IMSA, we can go over to the corrals. We can see people. We can talk to them. We can interact. That has been so awesome because all we wanted to do was to tell everybody, don't worry, Corvette racing is here. We're not going anywhere. Racing has been a part of Corvette's DNA for such a long time. And as I explained, it's important for as we develop each generation of the car. So Corvette racing is definitely here to stay. It's going to look a little different because things have changed. But that's okay. We're still going to find a way to grow it and to keep the cars on the grid, to keep the excitement, to keep our fans, to give them something to cheer for. It's just been great to be able to interact with people again and remind them that we're still Corvette. We just were locked in the paddock for a little while while this virus was wreaking havoc on the world. Absolutely right. Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to be on Corvette today. I really appreciate it. All the best of luck in 2022 with Corvette Racing. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me and cannot wait to get back out there in Daytona in not that much time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Corvette Today. And please be sure to tell your family, friends, and other Corvette enthusiasts about the Corvette Today podcast. And also thanks to our flagship sponsors, MidAmerica Motorworks. Pursue your passion at mamotorworks.com.
American Hydrocarbon at AmericanHydrocarbon.com. True Wealth and Company at RetireWithTrue.com. Also, Aerolari Wheels. Get $100 off your purchase with the promo code CT100 at Aerolari.com. You've been listening to Corvette Today with Steve Garrett. If you'd like to contact Steve with any thoughts on the podcast or ideas for guests on Corvette Today, you can email him at stevegarrettdj at gmail.com. That's stevegarrettdj at gmail.com. Garrett has two R's and two T's. Or connect with Steve on social media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram using at stevegarrettdj. Thanks again for listening to Corvette Today.